0: Hey guys welcome back to another episode of people's stories i'm your host priyanka Ota. thank you so much for joining us i hope you have fun listening to the session as well as probably get to know something more about this particular profession so yet again thank you so much for joining stay tuned and have fun a very warm welcome to everybody who's listening to this episode. Uh, my name is Priyanka, I'm your host and today I'm super excited to have Eden Whitcomb in the, sorry, I said it incorrectly, Eden Whitcomb in the studio sorry. with us. <laughs> Eden, thank you so much for joining.
1: No, I really appreciate you having me. I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of having the chat and understanding, you know, to a little bit more about what we do and, and what my role is. So yeah really, really appreciate you kind of giving yeah. us the platform to, uh, to do this.
0: No, um, it's it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to have you. And um, for our listeners, Eden is a professional people connector. And I know that's like, you got curious about, okay, what a professional people connector does. And so, Eden, can you introduce yourself, talk about yourself, where you're coming from, and, you know, anything that you want to share about your background?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so, professional people connector, first of all, it's a made-up, make-belief title, right? And <laughs> I'm not a particular individual that's driven by a title, so you can call me whatever you want. Um, That actually comes from uh, a TED talk that I listened to from from a lady called Vanessa Van Edwards, uh, who's a psychologist Mm -hmm. and basically just said to gauge people's attention, you know, create a title for yourself to get people talking. And obviously that's what's led us to have this chat. But in reality, what I actually am is a technical recruiter. Right. So I do external mm. recruitment for businesses across Europe and the US um, supporting you know, tech hiring. But the professional mm. people component, um, I've always been somebody who networks quite well within in locations. So, you know, although I hire technical people, I also connect a lot of people to different different kind of uh, organisations or, or groups. So if somebody said to me, hey, we're looking for an office space. My job hmm. at that point, although I don't get paid for it, I will just you know see if I can connect them to someone. So there is some truth in in the professional people side, but you know ninety nine point nine percent of my job is is actually tech recruiter.
0: <laughs> no, that's actually very very interesting because absolutely this was something that I got curious about and I was like, okay, what does he really do? And you know, let's talk about it. Where do you come from?
1: So born raised in England. Um, went to, to Germany to Berlin for for a little while and then come back to to England. Um, so I literally now mm-hmm. live about 10 minutes from where I grew up, um, which is quite nice. So, very close to, to home, very close to family. My mum, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I come from a relatively smaller family, so two brothers, my mum and myself, and then uh, I kind of uh, I'm marrying into a very large family. My other half is one of nine children. <laughs> So uh, I get best wow. of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> best of both okay. of I get the the crazy side of the family when I want, but also the calm side of the family when I need it.
0: Yeah, if I may ask, what was the reason for you to move from let's say UK to Berlin and then back to UK?
1: So I, I mean, I've only ever recruited really into Berlin for many many years. It's only been the last two years that I've I've kind of expanded out. And mm-hmm. I just fell in love with the city. I love it. It's it's although I work with obviously the, the local community in Berlin. Um mm. if I wasn't working there, I'd still I'd still love the city. It's my favorite place to go. But then obviously move back home, be closer to family. Um fell in love,
0: mm.
1: got a yeah. house, had a child. <laughs> Slowly working out ways to convince the other half to move back to to Berlin with me. Um yeah. but it's a slow burner.
0: Yeah. I was actually listening to a um to a podcast uh with Michelle Obama. She was talking about how important it is to have your own community you know like a social community and it becomes even more important when you start your own family because because like if if both the partners are working and uh you know both the partners have their own professional ambitions then it becomes a little difficult to handle everything on your own i think i'm it's not a little difficult i think it's it's pretty difficult so i think uh having some kind of community be it your parents your friends uh something similar where you feel comfortable I think that is a a very good thing to kind of create for yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm super lucky. Um, so my other half, she's incredible with, with our little one. Like she she takes on a lot of the burden because although I'm a tech recruiter, I also run my own company, and that mm. that was started about two years ago. So you know, my head is is all over the place half the time. So she stabilizes at home, and then alongside that, you, you're right. You know, the friendship circles and things like that. So. A lot of my friends who I worked with, um, we've all gone off, done separate things. We're all in recruitment, a lot of us. Um, Mm -hmm. But many of us now own our own companies. We all uh, converse around kind of how do we help each other. And we've kind of created a a really tight-knit group of individuals that, you know, Mm. you just want each other to succeed. So although we, Mm. we do compete, in some components um but you know there's enough there's enough opportunity out there for everybody and you know every time someone has done something well in their company everyone's excited and happy for them so having Mm. those those two elements you know the family side the friend side and the work side so the three elements uh, i absolutely agree you know that's really
0: nice and nice and and actually your your approach to You know, because you're saying that you guys are in the similar in in similar areas, but also identifying that there are enough opportunities for everybody, because otherwise it could also be like a super competitive and and that could also, you know, create like bad situations. Um, But in general, I think it's a really good approach to to how to take things ahead. Do you think it has come because of, let's say, the maturity you've gotten over over years, like due to experience, or has something else also led to it? Like, let's say there is more talent in the market or something like that.
1: I think there's a combination, right? So when, when I first started in, in um, tech recruitment, so I, I fell into it, right? So mm-hmm. I had absolutely no idea what it was. I used to work mm-hmm. in hospitality, um, and anyone who works in hospitality, in my opinion, has a really good start in any job they do because you get thrown into different environments every single day. You know, mm. you might be be waiting on tables, but every family is different. Every person is different. You have to deal with a lot of different things. Mm. So I just wanted to get out of that environment. Um, I didn't really understand what recruitment was. Um, mm. And I think that's a misconception a lot of people have about, you know, okay, you just send CVs. Okay. I wished it was that there's so much more to it, which I'm sure we'll, will unpack. Um, mm. So I kind of fell into that, into that component. So the first couple of years, it very much was head down. I'm in it for myself, if I'm honest, right? I just want to make as much money as I can for myself. You know, that's it. Um, And then once you start realizing, okay, this is actually a career, I can, I'm actually all right at this and I can start doing a bit more than this. That's when my mind shift switched and I moved Mm -hmm. away from saying, okay, chase the money to let's build something, let's build companies, let's build teams. The money then starts to follow you as long as you're focusing on helping. Um, so the maturity definitely helped. But I also think as an industry, the whole industry is kind of, of has switched a little bit because, and you see this not just in recruitment, but in a lot of industries, the tech, for example, you know, lots of people are now interested in giving back. So green tech, sustainability, circular mm. economy components. So a lot of people coming through new jobs are mm. interested in how we help the wider global market instead of how I help myself so I think Mm. everybody's just matured a little bit and you know I've been fortunate to be part of of that process and and kind of seeing it through
0: yeah do you also think that for example international boundaries have become very very um dissolved I would say Mm. and so it's not like you have to recruit somebody from that same place for for a particular profile you know for a particular position yeah do you think that also if, like has an impact
1: yes and no so some companies will explicitly say look we can only hire local talent and local mm-hmm. talent isn't say So germany berlin it doesn't mean i need a german national berlin based local talent mm. could be anyone in, in berlin it depends on the individual company you know some businesses have processes created to allow for for international movement um some companies mm-hmm. obviously have for remote and then you, you can work through that so Yes and no. I think, you know, remote, sorry, not remote, sorry, relocation from the international community has, has been there since I've been there. You know, in the mm. last decade, it's it's always been around. Um, so that hasn't really matured. That was already kind of at a decent level. The remote aspect has definitely, you know, matured since COVID. Um, that has helped kind of remove barriers as such. Um, but obviously we're seeing a, a little bit of a, a pullback in in the mm. last, especially the last couple of weeks and month, where business is obviously forcing people to go back to the office now, um, to kind of doing a one eighty on what their initial policies were. So, I think the next couple of months or, or certainly the next year is going to be very interesting to see what happens with that international boundary component. Um, right now, I, I wouldn't say there's any any issues or anything there.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean. Um i think there were there were like a lot of reports actually that came out after covid or let's say not after covid like 2022 uh, towards the second half or 23 beginning where we we basically read that a lot of employees would prefer their company to ho- offer like a hybrid kind of culture where, you know, I don't have to go to the office five days a week. I would rather go like wherever I want or, or at at a maximum like two or three days a week. And and the other days I should be able to work from my, from my convenient place. Mm. So I think things have changed too much since COVID. Like it has been a very, very big, uh, you know, shift in the work culture and the expectation of employees in general. And now this whole chat GPT thing, I think it's it's entirely changing the entire, I don't know, workspace and the way you think about things and, you know, how much effort you need to put into things. I think it already gives you a very good start, you know, into anything that you want to um, know about in general. Um, do you think that has an impact on your profile as well? Like, is it is it impacting you in any way?
1: Yeah, good question. Um so the 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 whole aspect of covid and chat gpt i'll I'll cover both um if that's cool so with covid and the remote aspect um you are right a lot of people want that flexibility that that hybrid option um as a business obviously we hire people into our company as well and as a small company as much as we would love to say hey let's go full remote it's just not possible you know especially Mm -hmm. bringing new people into the business you have to get them embedded into the culture. You have to you have to train them how you need to train them. So I think hybrid works and remote works in, and this is my own opinion, at a certain level, especially mm. juniors, I believe they would benefit so much more about sitting next to people, having a team, because you know, there's one thing slacking someone or messaging them on a text and say, Hey, yeah. I don't know who this. And there's another thing, you know, touching, touching your shoulder and say, Hey Priyanka, can you help me on this for a second? You know, yeah. there's just that, that face-to-face interaction is so, so valuable. And that's what I benefited yeah. a lot. You know, having having my managers sit next to me and say, you've done this right, try this next time. How about this? Yeah. That I think is going to be... a.
0: I would just like to... Yeah, just just like to add. So basically, I I remember that when I started working at Deloitte, like I was doing, I think almost a year, I did not go to the office because of COVID and everything else. Mm. And so this one time we had like uh, the entire team coming together in in Hanover, actually. And I saw a lot of my like, we've been speak, we have been speaking to each other like so much over video calls and you know, like team calls or whatever. But when I saw these people in person and, you know, you have like a different impression of that person when you are like connected to them online and when you yeah. are connected to them in person. It, it was like for many people, I was like, you know, I had a completely different impression of how they are and, you know, how they work. But when you meet them, you're it's like a barrier that kind of breaks between both of you and things just become so much more easier to to express. Uh, I think that really, really helps.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, if I'm honest, if if we keep going down the route of hybrid and everyone keeps pushing for it from, you know, the moment you graduate or the moment you enter the workforce, I think yeah. immediately we're not going to see an impact. But four or five years from now, I think the seniors, you know, senior developers at that point, I think it's just going to be a fabricated title again because they haven't gone through the challenges well, they've gone through a challenge but they haven't had the support network around them properly. Unless the mm. company is fully committed to having somebody who's available, you know, almost like 24-7 when they have a question. And it's not possible because on the computer you can just shut your lid down and say, mm. oh, I wasn't online. Mm. Um, I, I absolutely understand what you mean with the remote side because I do a lot of recruitment remote, right? So I do the video calls and I have telephone calls. I try to get out there as often as I can. Um, And the first thing most people will say to me is, wow, you're a lot taller than I thought. Mm-mm. So I'm I'm six foot five. <laughs> right? So, you know, you can spot me a mile away pretty much. So everyone always says the same thing because when we do video calls, we're the same height. <laughs> you don't know how tall I am. And it's always the first thing. It's like, I did not <laughs> expect that. But it's little things like that.
0: Yeah. that
1: Yeah. Hybrid and remote are great in, in part, but we're going to lose that the more we, we keep going for it. And I do work hybrid, right? I, I do take the opportunity to work from home. Um, yeah. But like I said, I think it's really valuable at the beginning of someone's career, really push for as much on site as possible if Mm. personal life permits it. You know, it doesn't always. The second part, ChatGPT. That is a lot (laughs) to unpack. That is a lot. Um, What do you want, ChatGPT 3 or 4? No, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, So will it impact us? Yes, absolutely. I think... It's naive to believe that it won't impact recruiters. But on the flip side, am I scared that we're going to lose our jobs? No, no. I think I think ChatGBT and AI in general will just elevate who we are as recruiters. Mm. Mm. Sales in general, it's a people role, right? As much as you, you think you can sell snow to an Eskimo, for example, it doesn't mm. matter. It's about networking. It's about understanding people. It's about... Listening to Priyanka and understand what are your actual issues, the deep rooted problem in your job. How mm-hmm. can I alleviate that, and how can I support you? If I can't, it doesn't matter what job I put in front of you, you're never going to be interested. So it's really about creating people connections. And as much as you know, the AI's AI that sort have of coming out from from Google, so they've got Bard coming out on obviously on their uh, trial. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you have GPT out. They're great, but their are information. Sources—they're not people connections—and you can see the difference between you know if I was to write on on the system, you know, create me a LinkedIn connection message that's friendly or something like Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. that—you can
1: spot it immediately that it's from a from an AI. It's not from a human. People will do it now uh, because they think it's quick and easy. And majority of times, I believe it will be new recruiters coming in because they're like, "Okay, this is a great tool. I can build my network super quick," and they'll get you know, some, some traction,
0: hmm. but again,
1: two, three years down the line, it's just, I don't think it's going to be that, that it's not going to work. People will see through it. They'll understand because it ultimately it will just be the same messages being churned out. And there's no, there's no empathy. There's no connection behind it. Um, hmm. you can tell it already.
0: Yeah. I think in general, like, um, in, in your profile, for example, I think in general to begin with, it could be a good, a way to kind of, let's say, scrutinize um, applications, for example, like I'm talking about artificial intelligence in general, Um, scrutinizing applications or, you know, just let's say, if you have to connect to a thousand people because of whatever reason, then maybe just uh, using artificial intelligence to do that for you could help because as you're saying, it's elevating your your work experience in general. Mm. But I, I totally agree with the fact that at the end of the day, people connection does matter and you know at the end of the day all of us are human beings, and mm-hmm. we are emotional people we need uh that kind of you know support and, and as i mentioned community and those kind of things i don't think that can be replaced by artificial intelligence i might be wrong all the artificial intelligence engineers who are listening i might be wrong but this is how what i think as of now yeah.
1: um no i, I yeah. agree 100 i think um <laughs> And every role has a people element to it and people want to be heard. So yeah. know, for me as a recruiter, if I'm not listening to you, you're not going to work with me. So
0: hmm. yes,
1: I think it will help elevate, you know, what we do. On on the aspects of, and maybe this is quite an, an interesting segue to what I actually do, because um, you mentioned connect to a thousand people. So hmm. I understand obviously just an arbitrary number thrown out there. But that to me, there's a difference in recruiters, right? So you have your spammy recruiters that would connect to a thousand people and then you have mm. targeted approaches so
0: mm.
1: you know every external recruiter out there will probably preach the second one, but a lot of them might fall into the first one
0: <laughs> okay, okay, so I mean okay, that now that you've you 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 are talking about it, I think um we can get into what does your typical work do? Tell- let's say not work day your typical day look like so paint um, a picture of right from the time when you get up wow. like in the morning what what are the activities that you are doing on a regular basis i know that each day could be different you know but in in yeah. general like on an average
1: well i think um i'll do it pre-baby because my my days start from either three in the morning or five in the morning depends when she wants to wants to get up so <laughs> we'll do it pre-baby and then it might okay. You are right. Obviously, each day is different. So I think to before I kind of break down that, I think it's probably interesting to explain what the difference in in external recruitment roles are, because there's, mm-hmm. there's multiple roles. There's two core positions that people could hold. So you have what um, we call a 360 recruiter. So mm-hmm. a 360 recruiter deals with both business development, so bringing on new opportunities for the company, and they also deal with the sourcing side of it so once you obviously have a position to work they will go out to market and find the relevant talent um so 360 recruiters is what pretty much everyone did a decade ago but in the last i would say five years we've started to split the roles into two so you have what we'd call now a 180 recruiter so you specialize in either business development or sourcing and the reason for that is that they are two different jobs Right, you might excel at finding really difficult candidates, but you might be terrible at speaking to a customer, or vice versa. Right? Mm. So Mm -hmm. they both can be trained, and they both can be taught. But you have Mm. someone who can do both, and people who can do one, or who do specialize in one or the other. And Mm. both are as important as each other. You cannot do one function without the other. So what I do is I do both. So obviously, as a small business you know, we have to do both. Um, I quite enjoy the breakup. Um, you know, I, I I enjoy finding candidates and speaking to them and hearing the excitement going through the process with them. And I also enjoy speaking to the clients and going through issues in their processes and how do we resolve them? Hmm. It breaks up my, my, my weeks. So I do plan meticulously because I think in recruitment you have to, because we have so many hats to wear. So I went, at the beginning, I said people have a misconception when you first go into recruitment that oh, you just send CVs. My mum still thinks I just send CVs. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I might have to send her this podcast after if she knows how to uh, listen to it. But you know, she just thinks oh, you send CVs and, and people take the jobs. I'm like, oh, mum, I wished. I wished. So, in my opinion, the modern recruiter, right, is someone who is a marketer first, so they understand how to. Speak, how to write, how to brand themselves. They're mm. a career coach. They're a negotiator. They're a salesperson. So they understand profit and loss. They understand building desks. How to win business. How to, you know, con- um, discuss contracts. They understand finance. Um, they understand how to find candidates. You know, there's a lot of different components. It's not just go find a CV. It's mm. you need to do all of these things all of the time you can't just Mm -hmm. say i'm gonna do marketing today and then i won't touch it for three months it's a constant iteration so a day for me i I use a system called chunking if you've heard of it before
0: no i've not heard of
1: so essentially what i what i did is i um i understood when do i perform the best what time of day so mornings evenings or during the day so Mm -hmm. i found Works best for me. And then I found my most optimal time to do that. So, chunking essentially is instead of looking at, so a typical day for me is usually about nine, 10 hours. So, I'd, instead of looking at nine or 10 hours, I would break it down into smaller pieces. So, I'd look at two hour chunks because I can't really work longer than two hours without being distracted or, or you know, mm-hmm. a little bit bored of the task. So, I would put my most important tasks at the beginning of the day so typically now the most important tasks for me is trying to find new businesses to work with um because obviously what's been happening in the market recently a lot of layoffs a lot of obviously investment rounds not being closed you know we're hiring but we also need to go and find new businesses to ensure we keep hiring so
0: Hmm.
1: every morning there is an action for business development and it might be to You know, speak to them on the phone, reach out via email, reach out via LinkedIn, Mm. build new lists, find new hiring managers, whatever the the task is. Every morning, that is what I do. No ifs, no buts, no movements. Have to do it. (laughs) Mm. Everything else can be flexible. So after Mm. that first session, because that's my most optimal The rest of the sessions, I can be a little bit flexible, I can move things around, and that would involve running social media campaigns, that would involve sourcing, that would obviously involve usually around two to three hours of telephone calls with candidates every single day, Mm. that would involve any administrative Mm. tasks such as writing the CVs up, sending the CVs to the relevant systems, and then as a business owner, also on top of that, I'd obviously run any initiative that I'd have to for that day, be it check finance, Mm. marketing, whatever. So
0: Hmm. there's
1: no typical day really for me, but the day, the week generally would consist of about, I would say between 10 to 20 hours of client outreach, as well as Mm -hmm. between 20 to 30 hours of candidates.
0: Okay. And uh, what about work-life balance? Like typically do you Uh, find a lot of time for yourself?
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah, no, great question. Great question. (laughs) Um, With, with the little one, Yes, I've been really strict. So when when she was born, you kind of reprioritise things. So as much as I love my job, and I genuinely do love my my job, and my career, I like I love the fact that I fell into this and I found something I'm passionate about. Mm. There is a time where I have to stop, and that's when obviously the moment I come home. You know, very rarely do I work evenings. Sometimes I work weekends, or sometimes I work evenings on like on the occasion. But once she's asleep. Now, once mm. I'm home, I'm with her, we, we obviously interact because that's the only time I get to see her really is a couple of hours a day. I'm not gonna sit on my, you know, wasting that away. So when she's asleep, you know, whatever, we'll have to. Um, before she was born, my, my other half would probably explain I'm a workaholic. Um so I <laughs> would I would work nonstop. Like the first yeah. couple of years of doing recruitment. I don't. I didn't take time off. I didn't go on holidays. I just worked non-stop, first in, last out, every day. And then when we set up the company, it was pretty much full on for about nine months, not really taking a break. Um, and that's super unhealthy. Don't recommend it. But that's how I am as an individual. I just go at go at everything one hundred and ten percent until someone has to stop me because obviously it's, it's damaging to health. So my work-life balance, I'm not the prime example. Um, but I also find it difficult for a lot of people. I think a lot of people so find it difficult in recruitment to really switch off because we're speaking on a Saturday. You know, This is a podcast, this is separate, but it's still talking about careers. Some other people that I speak to for candidates can only speak at 8 o'clock at night or they can only speak to me at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I have to be available for those. Mm. And the worst thing mm. is this: having my phone and having emails and having LinkedIn. Because I used to get up at, you know, midnight, go to the toilet, for example, check my emails. Like, why would I check my emails? No mm. one's bothered. But I, I do that, and I still do <laughs> it from time to time. But
0: yeah.
1: so, what I'm trying to get at is, work-life balance does exist in recruitment. But I find it in external recruitment. I think a lot of people struggle to really get that fine balance because we target yeah. we get targeted and we have to bill and obviously you put the pressure on yourself because you want to do well in life and then that obviously seeps into all aspects of your of your personal life, friends, family. Before you know it, you're sitting at your dinner table checking emails and your other half's just looking at you thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> because they don't understand.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is this is like a. I think we were we were talking about it yesterday in my family, mm-hmm. and I think that's a problem of for all of us whether you are from whichever background you know like Mm -hmm. whatever you are doing as as your work it's very easy to get um involved into it to an extent that you stop prioritizing your personal life and personal time and again this is like very uh specific to individuals like let's say at this point of time in my career in my life i want to focus on my professional setup and that's fine I think it completely depends on what the person wants mm-hmm. from from their life. But there should be some kind of balance. Like even if you want to focus on your professional life like too much, feel free to do that. But also try to take out like, I don't know, 45 minutes, one hour of, of your time and do some kind of physical activity or, you know, like do some kind of mindfulness, meditation, something like that, which basically also kind of... Uh, helps you in reorienting because if you're constantly thinking about work then then you might also become uh like you might not be able to see things from a different lens um that happens at least that happens to me so I usually try try to take that time off and then come back again and then I have a different perspective like most of the times I'm able to see okay what what I was missing earlier Mm. so I think that also helps but again it's a very very specific thing that helps me might not help other people, but uh, I think it's it's important to find out, figure out where, where you find your personal rejuvenation. um, Yeah, I think it's an hour ahead.
1: The the, the point you said about, you know, it's okay to focus on what you want to. And, you know, for the best part of nine years of of my recruiting career, it was purely, I was selfish. I didn't, you know, I, I just prioritized my career. Then having the little one, and now we have the family, you know, my it switched literally immediately. Like the moment I held her, it's like, okay, life is bigger now, and that's okay. <laughs> and now that's what I'm saying. It, it, it you hit it perfectly because yeah. nine years before, that, I just did. It was me. It was, it was okay to to do what I was doing, and yeah. I was still focused on career, on my career. You're absolutely right. It's just now having a finer balance and being strict to say, yeah, oh, this is when I stop, and being strict yeah. as well with with people that I work with, candidates and clients, and say, look,
0: yeah,
1: I'm, I'm available. Anytime you want, but the moment I say I'm not, do not contact me because
0: yeah.
1: whatever reason, I'm, um, I really like the fact you're saying about kind of being mindfulness and so i doing some kind of physical, physical exercise. Cause I think as well, speaking to a lot of developers, you know, there's a, there's a big increase now of, of there is, you know, a lot of mental awareness around what their roles are and kind of mm. difficult managers that they're in, difficult companies that they're in and, mm. you know trying to encourage them to be a little bit more open to to do more things outside of programming because a lot of developers will just they love it so much they will work mm. they'll work until the evenings into personal projects which is absolutely fine mm. but then they forget as well to take a moment outside or to to just turn the laptop off and breathe yeah so i fully agree you know just taking a moment you know even if it's 10 minutes there's there's actually a really good app um it's called balance um on the app store on, on uh, i don't mm-hmm. know if it's on that if it's on ios and it's about meditation uh teaching mm-hmm. guide you it's like um uh, mind space or headspace yeah. sorry not headspace. um but yeah. it's free for a year so if you oh, download people. it you, know, you have a, f- a full three-year subscription mm-hmm. to it um doesn't charge you or anything so you know That's if anyone nice. is listening and is interested balance is, is very good um yeah so i've started. I mean, to do, it
0: yeah, I mean, for me, for example, I use this app. It's called Calm. Um, it's yes. really, really nice. Very, recomm- very much recommended. I think I paid some subs- uh, subscription money, but that was very, very like I was uh, one of the early ones to start mm. with Calm. So I think I got a very uh, cheap deal.
1: Got good deals.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's really nice, especially with those sleep stories, you know, like I, I just absolutely love them. <laughs> also, I am never able to finish a, a sleep story because I've already slept, uh, which is what the intention is. So I think it's really, really nice. But in of like uh, what I also wanted to bring up was that we talk about work life balance and we talk about, you know, how much your job allows you to do that but i think it's like two ways it's not your job allowing you to do something it's also you allowing yourself to take that time off like yeah. if you if you are not intentional about it you can whatever job you're working at whichever company you're working at you know whether you're an entrepreneur or a person who's working in a company you can always be caught up so i think work life balance comes from you know, you knowing your priorita- priorities and also setting them in the right way. And in um, when you were talking about, for example, uh, your work, it becomes like challenging at times because, you know, irrespective of how much effort you've put into it, um, your, let's say your results are tied to a certain action. Yeah. Um, I was also speaking to a person who's a technical recruiter like the the interview just before this one is with a person who's also a technical recruiter but he's an intern like he's working with a company mm-hmm. and so um i want to understand like basically what he pointed out was that if somebody wants to do really good in recruitment they should mm-hmm. always start with an agency so that you know they they gather like that that all-round experience and then shifting into a company might uh might be a good idea how do you see uh, like? First of all, do you have any kind of experience with working with a company? Um, I think you have, right?
1: So I've I've been always been an agency recruiter, but I've worked specifically for companies for a period of time. So I wasn't okay. an internal recruiter for them alone, but I did help build out their processes, train their team. So I in essence, you know, more interim internal roles with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay.
1: But yeah it's not it's not a clear black and white yes or no I think um agency and internal and entrepreneurial they're they all come with different challenges and they all focus on different things and you know for example I probably wouldn't be very good at internal recruitment to be honest with you you know I'm, I'm, I feel mm-hmm. I'm a pretty good external recruiter but for me to go into one company and only work for that one company mm-hmm. I believe and I could be Proven wrong. Should anyone come knocking at some point, um, <laughs> you know, I I feel I might be pigeonholed, and I might yeah. feel that because I've just come from an environment where I could just pick and choose companies I want to work with, and mm. you know, I have mm. all these different challenges that I want to work on. But so, but on the flip side, I've got a friend of mine who who I, I I hired, I trained him for two years, and it just didn't work out in the end. And he went internal, and he's absolutely flying. You know, he's working mm. for for Codility, Um and he's mm. doing incredible things with them. So. He wasn't right for agency, but he's fantastic for internal. And mm-hmm. I could be the other way around. So regarding what obviously the person before you said, I do believe agency would teach you things that an internal team just won. So an internal mm-hmm. team would teach you more about culture, diversity, inclusion, mm-hmm. you know, um, more the psychological and people side, which yeah. obviously you need to understand. Um, but they're not time pressured. They get the salary at the end of the month, right? And mm. of course we have salaries as external teams, but our salaries are much lower because our commission structure is, is typically higher. So we're incentivized mm. for speed quality and, you know, just moving things along. So when you see the challenges that internal teams face, and this might be overgeneralized a little bit, but it's mostly around, you know, attracting talent in and moving things for the process based on what the hiring manager wants for mm. us as an external team, we have those same, same challenges, but we will proactively push things as much as we can, you know, within yeah. reason. So if a hiring manager isn't responding to me, I'll pull back and say, look, if you're not interested, we will go elsewhere. That's fine. You know, we'll try different techniques to basically say, look, do you want to work? Yes or no? Because mm-hmm. we are paid on time and effort. If you don't want mm-hmm. to work, that's fine, but I'm not going to put the time or effort in. So agency will teach you speed and quality. An internal speak teach you obviously more around the culture side. Those two blended yeah. together, fully agree. Yeah. You will be a powerhouse. Like it's it's an unstoppable combination. So yeah. you know, yeah, it's it, like
0: you you become like an all rounder, right? Like you yeah, know everything absolutely. about that. <laughs>
1: so what you see typically is internal. Uh, so external, internal entrepreneur. That's a lot mm-hmm. what a lot of people I see are doing at the moment because you yeah. just get all this well-rounded knowledge. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean if you don't go internal, you're never gonna get, you know, this powerhouse uh, recruiter or vice versa. Of course you mm-hmm. will. There's people out there. Yeah. It just means you're gonna have to go out of your way to learn the other side of the job. And you know, I mentioned I, I've done some more interim projects mm-hmm. specifically to upskill myself on what are the challenges the internal teams are facing. Because mm. I don't know unless, you know, they tell me and typically they don't tell me unless I ask. So I went in-house to a couple of companies, helped build out processes, got the nitty gritty. And now that helps mm. us as an external team because we have an awareness of what they are facing. Um, yeah. So yes and no. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, quite it. hmm. Yeah i mean absolutely like um, it it also depends on the person right like as you said there are there are there are somebody who would work who would not be perfect for an agency but might do really well in a in a company so you also have to identify like it's not like you have to do this and that or this or that but you could also do this and slash or that, you know, like you could do multiple yes. combinations and, and see what works for you. Um, but Eden, I forgot to ask earlier, like, what is your degree? What's your background like in terms of uh, like getting into recruitment? So you said you, you were into hospitality for. So how, what's yeah. your educational background?
1: So um, obviously care study A-levels. Um, which is one above secondary school, between secondary school and, and university. So mm-hmm. did my A-levels. Um, never really had an intention to go to university, so I just went into hospitality. Um, ended up working in a couple of restaurants, managing them, and then realised, okay, this isn't what I want to do long-term, because it fell mm-hmm. back into recruitment. Um, mm-hmm. Not really sure how I got the job, if I'm honest, because um, most <laughs> companies at the time, you needed either a degree or sales experience, and I had neither. So... Mm. I'm, I, I really can't answer that one very very thankful for getting <laughs> it um, but obviously yeah it's a very very weird one things are again a little bit different but it's now. also
0: becomes a yeah it also becomes a success story then right because uh i mean now you have your own company and you're doing really pretty well yeah. there so
1: yeah um so I, I, I did two years at that company um and then i i actually applied uh, on a whim to study uh, computer science i didn't think okay. i'd get mm-hmm. it um got in and then resigned from my former company and then things at work really started to click and I really Mm. started to enjoy it when I was when I was working my notice period so I retracted my notice period and I never went to university (laughs) to study computer science so I stayed with that company for another six years after that um best decision because obviously I continued growing really loved what I was doing and then um, the last year I was there, I basically went back to, I started studying at Open University.
0: So yeah. I started
1: doing business management. So the computer science side, I, I did alongside, um, but not in a formal education. I'd upskill myself on on Udemy and, and mm-hmm. Courser and things like that. Mm-hmm. For me, that was a way to connect with developers more. You know, mm. I'm not just a recruiter who wants to just find your job and, and move on. It's, you do JavaScript, you do you build websites, you build apps. I'm curious. I'm gonna go and learn a little bit. Please don't ask me to ever build a website now. I cannot remember it to save my life. <laughs> but you know, it, it gave me a new perspective on yeah. what they do. Um, and that helped me. And like I said, the business management was done in preparation to running my own company to learn more about business and, and yeah. how to how to grow and, and different areas within business because prior to that everything was just recruitment, recruitment, recruitment. So mm. yeah. My my formal education doesn't marry up really with what I do, but all the side education, you know, everything I try to do. I mean, for me, is you just can't stop learning. Doesn't mm. matter if you're if you're the best person in your company until you're the best person in the world. Consistently, forever, you always have to keep learning because someone <laughs> behind you will be yapping at your feet trying to do better. So, yeah. You know, that's the the side education, the part time education has been very, very much more beneficial than any yeah. formal education.
0: I mean, to me, it looks like you were pretty much moving in this direction for your entire life, and somehow you found your, let's say, calling, and you know, like now you are having fun with it, and I think you were kind of being prepared for you know this whole thing to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. As much as as much as when you're a child, the frustration comes from your parents of being pushy. My mum, was pushy. Right? she would always, for example, I'd I'd get an A in in, a, in an exam, and she would say, "Why did you not not get an A star?" I'm like, "What?" Mm. All right, <laughs> um, really, yeah. really pushy. But yes, it frustrates you at the time. But looking back, she she helped build me into the individual that I am, and yeah. it comes with its challenges um So stress doesn't just come from the job; it comes from personal stress. Thinking mm. I should always be doing better. Am I good mm. enough? Am I doing this right? That's mm. that's a personal thing that I've been dealing with my entire career and still deal with in in most parts. But I'm very very thankful that she she pushed, encouraged me, and, and basically set no limit to me and said like you you're you can keep going even if you think you you've done enough. You can keep going, and and she believed in that. And as you're right. Mm. You know, that helped me springboard and just try and connect dots outside of just work to understand how can I better myself? How can I understand more? How can I grow? Hmm. And that really is the, the be all and end all I think for, for external recruitment, because once you know how to find a client, once you know how to find a candidate that will only take you so far, it's the bits around it that takes you from being an okay recruiter to somebody who can stand on their own two feet in Mm. any kind of recruiting role and really own that process.
0: Um, Mm. Can you dig a little, little deeper into this thing? So like when you say that, you know, I mean, I'm also curious, like let's say somebody who wants to become a recruiter and a good one, um, especially technical recruiter, like what are those things that you can do to, Let's say reduce the effort you put into your work and get good results.
1: So, the first couple of years, there's no magic wand, you're just gonna have to. And same with any role, right? You're gonna have to get in the trenches, you're gonna have to just learn everything you can. But like I said, once you've got that basic understanding, then it's about adding different layers. So,
0: so when then, you, um, sorry, go. sorry, just one more thing when you say learn everything that you can, like learning about about what
1: so yes you need to understand what does a good company look like a good hiring manager what does a good candidate look like a good resume how do Mm. you find these people um you know what methods of sourcing do you use how do you sell to them how do you actively listen that's a big big skill to have how do you Mm. negotiate you know all those things we we kind of touched upon already once you have the basics of that you can go and make some money right you don't need to, to do everything else but you'll be You'll be an okay recruiter. You'll make a living. But it's the bits that come next, which is how do I specialize? How do I become a, a, a magnet for people? How do I become a niche? How do I do branding? How do I do uh, you know, real contract negotiation? How do I scale a company? How do I do accounting? You know These are the elements that build up over time, over years of practice. So then when you go to any company, any position – You can deploy all the knowledge you have. You can speak to any hiring manager, any HR director, any C-level, and hold conversations because you know the pains typically they're facing. So, you know, Mm. startup companies, by and large, face the same challenges. Scale-up companies, corporate companies, the same thing. So you can adjust and pivot how you are, who you are, to the needs of that individual. And like I said, active Mm. listening that's that's the biggest issue that a lot of people face can't crack that one you you can't be you can't be great at anything because you're just going over talk mm. you're not going to obviously understand the root cause and for recruiters we have to understand causes before we can create solutions if i don't understand yeah. what's really driving an issue in your your business or in your process whatever i say doesn't make sense you know i'm not tackling the real uh, real reasons that, that we're having this discussion
0: Mm, yeah what's the biggest challenge that you that you typically face in in this job
1: uh it's self-pressure i would say Mm. it's it's Mm. it's sitting and knowing not when you've done enough but when you've done good work and and recognizing you've done good work because external recruitment is very kpi driven you know how many cvs do you have how many interviews how many deals do you do how many companies Mm. do you sign on even as obviously an entrepreneur, I still target myself. Um, I mm. feel less, less like that now. But I, you know, still it's always persisting. But it's sitting back and saying, at the end of the month, the quarter, the year, okay, that was good. I'm very mm. happy with that mm. because you're never like I'm never happy enough, and yeah, that is a personal thing. Still, when it says okay, what is what is happy when it comes to my work? Mm. It used to be you know being the top biller in a company and making all this money and now it's sitting back and saying as a business are we doing the very best we can are we supporting Mm. the company the very best we can and best again is quite an arbitrary word like happy but Mm -hmm. best for us is you know who's complaining do we have Mm -hmm. none that's the best we can do that's the sort of thing we, we look at
0: yeah I think from your like um from your whole experience and from from the way you're talking about life and work in general, I think there's there's so much that you've kind of picked up, you know, like so much of wisdom that's coming along through your entire experience in general. But do you have like, have you kind of figured out anything, any mantra that that typically works in a situation which is like high pressure or super KPI driven, even when you're putting in all of your effort and sometimes things don't work out. Like, Have you figured something out that might help other people as well?
1: Yeah, so um, with with my career, I would generally say, look, it's, it's hard work, super long hours. And often, like I said, you do it without getting paid. Once you can look past that, and you recognize that you can't do it alone, that's when you start being successful properly so we mm. we have we have values as a business. we don't have your typical one word values like uh, accountability or, or anything you know for mm. us, our values are phrases that we we uphold and and one of the ones that I truly value the most is we are one team. so we are one team for us, and for me is you know I've gone so far by myself. we're one team means that the candidates the clients and the internal team we have to work together. So when I'm not succeeding, you're not succeeding vice versa. That is, I think the biggest switch that I've made to understand. Yes. Successful looks okay as an individual, but when you do it as a collective and when you can feed ideas off each other and when you can grow Mm. with each other, that is, that's when the real magic happens in recruitment. So yeah, I guess the advice would be to, to surround yourself with a team that you share that mentality uh, and kind of then, mm. then you as a, you'll be unstoppable it doesn't matter when you have dips in in quarters or months or years obviously right now it's mm. very challenging as a as an industry but I, I look mm. at my partners and think okay it doesn't matter we'll get through this because yeah. we all believe <laughs> we will support and we'll understand each yeah. other's perceptions and, and skills and when someone's having a bad day the other two pick them up yeah, yeah. That's, that's how it works.
0: Yeah. Is there any advice that you have in terms of let's say when people start applying for a job like for people for for your clients basically how should they approach this whole you know getting a new job process?
1: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of different avenues that you, this question can go down but I think the most important thing for anybody to have is a career framework um mm-hmm. career roadmap Sorry. Um, The career roadmap essentially is your your guide, right? It's your guide from the moment you you start your very first job to the moment you finish. And how it breaks down is that you essentially identify very early on in your career. What do you want your end job to be? Right. So software development Mm -hmm. could be CTO. So then Mm -hmm. you work backwards from CTO to determine what are the potential career paths I could take. So I'm not going to go into the full detail, but, you know, you could be a senior engineer, lead engineer, engine manager, CTO, I would say. Mm-hmm. You spend time then identifying, you know, what does each job do? You look at job descriptions, you speak to friends, you look at internal rubrics to determine what skills are required for each job. Mm-hmm. Then you determine how much time you want to spend in each job before you feel comfortable to move on and set yourself goals around each position as well. So it does does sound a bit complicated, but essentially what you want to do is say, I'm a junior developer today. What skills do I need to do to get to a mid-level position? How mm. long do I want to take to get there? Um, and then when you feel comfortable that your skills match, you start looking for that, that type of position. So it mm. means that you don't go too soon and obviously spend a lot of time wasted in interviews where you've been rejected. And you don't go too late where you're actually overqualified for the role. And then you just Mm. basically keep yourself on track based on what the requirements are for that position. So say, again, you're a junior developer and you want to learn React, you go and do a React course. Once you've got that course, you try and find an open source project to reinforce that knowledge. So the idea really is just having a very complete awareness of what does your career or how could your career unfold? Now, the big thing is, Be mindful for pivots. You know, new jobs come up, new technologies come up, things in your personal life adjust. You Mm -hmm. know, you no longer want to be a CTO. You're happy being a contributor. So you just need to be mindful and pivot. But when you start looking for a job, you need to know exactly what you want. Because if you Mm -hmm. don't know what you want, a recruiter and a hiring manager will not be able to tell you what you want. Only you can. So you need to know what type of environment, what type of job, what type of team. You know, remote, hybrid, salary, everything. You need to have that crystal clear, and then you also need to know what you are flexible on. So again, and, and
0: do you do you have any suggestions on how can you can you know? Like, I, I can assume that a lot of people would not know what they what they really want.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, especially if you're starting out, um, it, it, you are absolutely guessworking, right? So that's why you need to network. Who who are potential people who might know? So. Always look for the person mm. above you to network to. So mm. again, you're a mid level developer, go find a senior developer. From that senior developer, mm. ask them the question what does a traditional career path look like for us? Okay, the next role is traditionally a lead developer, go find a lead developer. Mm. And you go like that. It's a lot of it is a lot of knowledge, sorry, a lot of research from you. Yeah. But you know, it helps you identify what does a potential path look like. And like I can say, potential is the real key word because mm. it's it's nothing's set. You might, you know, not want to do development anymore. You want to switch careers to a recruiter. Who knows? So yeah. things things adjust. Um, but it's about taking that that you know real honest look into what it is you're actually doing as a career. Mm-hmm. So then you determine is it actually a career or am I just yeah. doing a job? Yeah, you know, a job is just for a short period of time. So once you know that, and then when you start applying for jobs, you have it crystal clear in your mind, and you can comfortably say to a recruiter or to an internal recruiter. Yeah. this is what I want. Can you yeah. offer me this? Yes yeah. or no? No, move on. Yes, progress.
0: Yes. I think this is a very, very valuable advice, Eden, because, and and I totally understand and totally agree with the fact that you have to network um, and try to understand from people, you know, like how, again, mm-hmm. like what does it look like at their level? And again, try to see that, are you happy seeing yourself at that level as well? And you know, what, what's your expectation? So Getting to know things can actually help you in setting your your own expectations in the right way and basically make you more happy when you when you are there or or let's say also identifying, okay, this is not for me. I mean, this is I was thinking I want that I want this, but I don't want this, you know, so
1: It's, it's just being cautious of what is important to you. Great. which I think it's kind of a theme that we kind of ran through a lot a lot yeah. of this talk there. <laughs>
0: exactly exactly and and that's the whole theme of the podcast as, as well right trying to understand like what does a profession look like and um, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense and for all the listeners who are listening to this particular episode and wants to reach out to Eden he is available on uh, LinkedIn and his, you can find him by the name Eden so feel free to reach out to him maybe this is the next move that you want to do so thank you so much for tuning in um and thank you so much eden for your time
1: no thank you so much and uh yeah really appreciate you uh you running through this so thank you (laughs)